Thank you, preacher. I want you to take your Bibles tonight, go to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. I want to make sure that I'm on tonight. Am I on, boys? All right. Thank you again for being here. I want you to uh, pray for our choir director. Uh, I don't know if you could tell or not, but I, could you tell I've never had any training? I know it's hard to believe, uh, but I want you to pray for our choir director, Brother Bob McLaughlin, has led our choir for over 40 years, and uh, this past week his heart has been given him some problems. He's over. He's 81 years old, and he called me today. Uh, he said, um, "He said I'm not going to be able to come. The doctors put me in the bed for two days, and uh, so I want you to really pray for him. Pray for our choir, because if he doesn't get better, they got that coming again Sunday morning. So you you want to pray, and I certainly appreciate you being here tonight." And I want you to pray for my little boy, uh, lady in, uh, that came with us tonight, said that he was down there uh, sick in the nursery. So I apologize to any of your children that are down there. Uh, you'll just have to get over it. Uh, but pray for my little boy. Pray for them. They had to leave. So somebody in my church is going to have to take me home tonight. Uh, and I certainly would appreciate that. Now, I want to take you into the book of Ecclesiastes and, and share with you an interesting uh, message. But you know, Brother Tory is such a good man. Uh, he is a, he's, a, he's, a, he's just always been so good to me. And uh, the other day I was out in the cemetery. And uh, I was putting some flowers on a, a loved one's grave. Boy, I looked over and I noticed Brother Tory down in the fetal position, kneeling by a grave. And I'm telling you, he was crying. I mean, he was just an humble man, just crying. And uh, he was sobbing. And I didn't want to bother him, but so I walked to put the flowers on. And, and I walked back towards my car and I... Didn't want to interrupt his grieving, but I overheard him saying, Why'd you do this to me? Why did you do this to me? So my joke, brother, let me tell it. Don't laugh before I give the punchline. Why did you do this to me? Why? I walked over to him. I heard him say, Why did you do this to me? I tapped him on the shoulder. I said, Brother Tory, I said, Is everything okay? I don't mean to interrupt your time of mourning. But who have you lost here? Is it a child, a parent? He said, no. Wiping tears, he said, it's my wife's first husband. <laughs> Dawn leaned over and said, what's he talking about? <laughs> I've only been married one time. Well, the Lord is good. And I'm thankful you're here tonight. Sing a song with me. Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. Will you pray with all your power while we try to preach the word? All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. Brethren, pray and holy manna will be showered all around. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 2. 
Let's stand together. We'll read one verse of Scripture, two verses of Scripture tonight. And I want to pull out a little phrase that is stuck in my mind ever since Monday afternoon. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 1. To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. Father, tonight it is my prayer that you will touch me, that you will grant to me the words that I might be a blessing to these, your people. God, I thank you so very much for this great church. I thank you for this kind pastor. Lord, tonight I'm so humbled and appreciative for the good people that you've given to me and how thankful that I am tonight that they have come all the way up here. Lord, to minister... And Lord, to, to back up their preacher, what a privilege tonight. My God, ever since Monday afternoon, you have burnt this message into my heart. So I pray tonight that you will allow me to give it to these, your people, like you've given it to me. And Lord Jesus, it is my prayer tonight that you will reclaim those that need to be reclaimed and touch those, oh God, that need a touch. Grant to us now the Spirit of God. We know He abides in us, but Lord, we pray that You will help us to be obedient to Him. For it's in Jesus' name that we ask it. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated tonight. This past Monday, I had the privilege. I was busy. I was running all the way back and forth. We have the Bible Institute that we have on Monday night. And so I was running, trying to make some visits, and I made my way up Highway 220 went into Summerfield to visit one of our men that's dying with cancer. Went up to see this dear brother. I, as I was driving up through Summerfield, it's Battleground Avenue until you get up into the county. As I was coming up Battleground Avenue, I got out of town and crossed out into the, the little town of Summerfield. And Man, as I got out into Summerfield, I was almost at this house, and so I, I was just kindly tooling along, knew where I was going, so I wasn't paying attention too much. Boy, I rode past and I saw on my right side there was an old Methodist graveyard. As I was driving by, I just kindly happened to notice out I was not doing my normal 85 and a 35. I was going a little bit slower, so I had time to really kindly look out there in the, uh, uh, out in the cemetery a little bit and just kindly glance. As I looked out into that cemetery, I noticed something that intrigued me. I don't know if you're like I am, but boy, I love to see those old grave markers. I noticed those old grave markers and I said, you know what, if I've got time after this visit, I'm going to stop back, back in here and just kindly walk around and see, see what these tombstones read. So I walked and I went, I drove past and went on to the, uh, this man's house. I knocked on his door. He wasn't home. I left a message there on his front door. I got back in my car and almost had forgotten about the cemetery. So I drove back by and I saw it and I said, I need to pull in there. And I hesitated and I said, I don't have time. And something just inside of me just was burning and it just said, turn in, son. So I turned in my little Nissan and I got in there to the uh, graveyard. Nobody was around. There was nobody there. And I pulled my car over off of the road, off of that little one-lane road they had cut through there. And I got out of my car. It was such a nice day. It's been a beautiful week. And I went out into that graveyard, and I just kind of walked around. I walked up to some graves that were older, and man, they had some that were newer. I walked past some that you could read the inscriptions on them, and some that you couldn't read the inscriptions on them. 
Some, you could tell, had been made out of that old concrete that had not weathered time very well. And some of those newer ones that were made and cut out of granite, you could tell, had really stood the test of time. And boy, I got to walking around. You know, as I walked around that cemetery, I noticed something. I noticed that there were people in there that had long lives, people that had short lives. There were people in there that, I, of course, I did not know. And I'm sure there were some rich people. I'm sure there were some poor people. I'm sure there were some people in there that were mighty big giants in their day. And then there were some people that really didn't accomplish too much. You know, there were probably some bankers in there and some trash men. There were probably some plumbers in there and some doctors. There were probably some folks in there that ran a little county store and there were probably some people in there that had just uh, run-of-the-mill jobs. There were probably some housewives in there and then there was some uh, crippled people probably in there. But you know, as I noticed and got to thinking about the gamut of life that each one of those grave markers represented, you know, I thought about this one thing. They were big and they were little. They were short, they were tall. They were big, wide, skinny. They were all types in there. But there was a time to die. I thought, you know, there were rich people in there and poor people in there, but there was a time to die. You know, I got to thinking there were white people in there and there were black people in there, but there was a time to die for all of them. And boy, I got to walking around that graveyard and I said, Lord, I, I don't understand. I believe you called me and I believe you wanted me to come into this graveyard. I believe you wanted me to walk around, but Lord, I don't understand the lesson that you're trying to teach me. I don't understand why it is that you've got me in this graveyard. And in my mind and in my imagination, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. He said, Son, will you go with me on a journey? Will you go with me on a little trip? I said, Spirit, I'll go wherever you want me to go. He said, let's take a little journey. In my mind's eye, I went in my imagination with the Spirit of God into a place that was cold and dark. I went to a place that did not have much light, just enough to see what was on the ground. I got to walk in through there in my mind's eye, and as I walked through that place, I noticed there were tombstones on the ground. I said, Spirit of God, where have you brought me? He said, Son, I've taken you down to God's graveyard. I said, Well, Spirit, why have you brought me here? He said, Son, I want to show you some things in God's graveyard. I said, all right, I began to make my way in my mind's eye to the uh, God through God's cemetery. And, you know, I got to noticing something on those grave markers. You know, I noticed on those grave markers there, there were not written names of individuals, husbands and wives. There were not written on the grave markers in God's cemetery. There were not written on their names of little boys and little girls. I got to looking on there, and as I looked, there were names of churches. As I looked on those grave markers, there were names of marriages. As I looked on God's grave markers in God's graveyard, I looked on there, there were names of preachers. I looked on there, there were names of Sunday school teachers that used to teach. I looked on there, there were names of, of people that used to be faithful. I looked on those grave markers and I said, Spirit of God, why are you showing me these things? I looked on there and there was the church of Laodicea. I looked on there and there were some great churches in days gone by that are no longer are. I said, Holy Spirit, I, I, I don't understand. He said, Son, some did great and some not so great. Some were faithful, some were unfaithful. 
Some were big, some were great, some were small, and some were just normal. He said, but there was all for them a time to die. I said, all right, Holy Spirit, I don't understand. What are you trying to show me? He said this, those churches, those preachers, those Sunday school teachers, they didn't just get there. You see, they did not just cease to be one day. Something came into them and killed them. Something came into their body just like it came into the bodies of the people in that little Methodist graveyard and it took the life from them. Ladies and gentlemen, I said, Spirit of God, what took the life from these people? What took the life from that church? What took the life from that preacher? What is it that took the life from that Sunday school teacher? What is it that took the life from that person? He said, Son, come with me. Let's go down now to heaven's morgue. I walked in my mind's eye and I went with the Spirit of God to the morgue in heaven. As I walked in, he said, Be very quiet. The great physician is at work. Don't make too many sounds. The great physician is performing an autopsy. I said, all right. I walked into heaven's morgue and there I saw the lovely rose of Sharon, the sweet son of God, the great physician, Dr. Jesus, performing an autopsy. Boy, I looked there and I said, what's he doing, Spirit of God? What's he doing? He said, oh my, he's got some fresh bodies on the table. Some people and some things that used to live but they're not living today. They used to be functioning, but they're not functioning now. They used to have life, but something has come into them and has snuffed the life out of them. There was a church on the table. I said, Spirit of God, what is it that has taken the life of these churches? What is it that has taken the life of these preachers? What is it that has taken the life of these uh, marriages? What is it that has taken the life of those singers? Those people that used to have the God in them. They used to have the Spirit of God moving in their soul. They used to have the joy of the Lord as their strength. They used to have God all over them. But something has killed them. There was a time to die for their spiritual walk with Christ. You say, where are they? Well, they're in heaven. They made it. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm seeing a lot of people, seeing a lot of churches that are that close from being in the morgue of heaven. I'm seeing just a few people that are coming very close. I'm not talking about a physical life. I'm not talking about their physical being. I'm talking about that joy, that strength, that walk, that intensity, that power that they used to have. Boy, some of you look at me and say, man, I remember when I had that kind of zeal. I remember when I had that kind of enthusiasm. Some of you think, man, it'd take a whole lot of B12 and a few five-hour energies for me to have that, honey. But I'll tell you, some of us, although we may be old, you can still have that life inside of your bosom. You can still have that power inside of your spirit. You can still have that life bubbling inside of you if you'll just do and stay away from these things that took the lives of these people. I said, Spirit, what killed that one? And who is that? He said, Son, come here. He said, That is the church at Ephesus. I said, How did they die? He said, Heart disease got them. Heart disease got him. I said, what do you mean heart disease got him? He said, well, we're talking about not the physical organ. We're talking about the spiritual heart. The center of man's life. The center of man's emotions. The center of man's desire to serve God. 
You remember in the book of Ephesians that Paul wrote to that church at Ephesus and man, he had high topics to talk to about him. He said you have redemption through His blood. You've been sealed by the Spirit of God. You've got the filling of the Holy Spirit. He said walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He talked about the gifts of the Spirit. He talked about the joy of the Spirit. He talked about the life of the Spirit. Man, he talked about how that church was on fire. How that they had been foreordained. Pre whatever you want to say. Man, and they had God moving in them. I believe in that church at Ephesus. You'd come in on Sunday morning. That old man of God would stand up with an old black back Greek Bible in his hand. And he'd open it up and he'd say something we wouldn't understand today. But it went a little something like this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Honey, I believe at that church at Ephesus. There was a little old gray haired saint of God lady that sat in the back. And she'd say... Help him, Jesus. Oh, help him, Father. I believe there was a little old lady on this side as she got to rocking back and forth saying, touch the man of God. Touch him as he preaches tonight. I believe there was a little old lady that popped down on that ten-stringed instrument that David talked about. And she said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures and he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth to my soul. I believe he got down to yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Honey, I believe there was an old brother back there that had walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And he said, somebody talk about that one that'll be with me and I got to fear no evil. His staff is with me and his rod is with me. Man, you went down to the church at Ephesus. Man, sing. They would praise God. They would move. They would have joy and life and breathing and life flowing through their church. But something happened. Because John the Beloved wrote to him in the book of the Revelation chapter 2. And he said to the church at Ephesus, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. Heart disease had set in. That thing that had began to crush and crinkle and cramp out the life of God that center seat of the Spirit where man feels God and where man's energized and where man has emotions and where man is excited to what God's going to do. Something had crept in. And eventually, it was not righted and they ended up lifeless on God's morgue. Can I tell you one thing that will kill a church? It's when we lose our heart for what God wants us to have a heart for. He said in the book of Proverbs chapter 4, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. He said in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. The Lord Jesus said, Out of the issues of the heart, for out, of the, out of the heart for the issues of life. Ladies and gentlemen, I go to a lot of churches that used to have a heart for people, and they used to have a heart for the lost, and they used to have a heart for old-time religion, and they used to have a heart for old-fashioned preaching, and they used to have a heart for old-time singing, but something has crept into their life, and their heart has turned. 
The things that they used to love, they don't love anymore. And the things they used to enjoy, they don't enjoy them anymore. They've left that first love. Oh, they love a crowd. And they love an assembling. And they love this. And they love that. But something has crept in. And Jesus is over in the background saying, you've left your first love. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe they got hung up on a little bit of what we call materialism. Then they got excited about heaven and heaven and heaven. And Jesus stands over in the corner as a lowly little servant. And He says, will you not come unto Me? All ye that labor and are heavy laden, who out here is heavy laden among you, let them come unto Me. But on the other side, that church at Ephesus, they're worried about their money. They're worried about looking professional. They're worried and so is going to thank Lord God I'm going to break the microphone and everything up here they're worried about what dear God give me something that works check one check two is it on is it on? There we go. Thank you. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, I remember what I was talking about. Man, they used to not have anything. Man, you'd come in, you'd have to stand on sawdust floors. You'd have to sit on hardback pews. But you went down to that church at Ephesus just a few months later. And a few years later, man, they had carpet on the floor. And they had padding on the pews. But they had no pyre in the pulpit. They had no pyre in the choir loft. They had no pyre in the singing. No pyre in the preaching. No pyre in the teaching. They had no pyre at all. You say, what happened? Honey, they got a big whole case of old-fashioned heart disease. You say, how do I know if I've got heart disease? Let me ask you this question. Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Here's my question. What do you talk about? What is it that consumes you? I wonder how many of us have been upset this week. I can't believe the preacher's going to take revival to Thursday. I can't believe he wants me to stay till 8.30. Man, we get upset over what he's going to do, over what he's going to say. We get upset over this. We get upset over that. Man, we get upset over petty issues. Sister so-and-so didn't talk to me. Sister so-and-so didn't look at me. Sister brother so-and-so didn't talk to me. You got brother flap his jaws and sister know-it-alls that does everything in the church. But man, I wonder, we're concerned about those things. But I wonder how many of us have been concerned about the little boy that's down the street that tonight will be beaten by an alcoholic father. I wonder about who's been concerned about that little girl tonight that will cower behind her little bed, behind that little bed post and behind that little bed frame because she's got a wicked godless uncle that will go in and will abuse her and will rape her and will molest her. You say you shouldn't talk about that in the church. Bless God, I'll tell you something. If Jesus is concerned about it, we should be concerned about it. My dear friend, we've got a heart for everything but what God wants us to have a heart for. Man, we got a heart for this and we got a heart for that. We got a heart for trunk or treats. We got a heart for that. But ladies and gentlemen, trunk or treats and fall festivals and all these things, they're not bad, but if their purpose is not to go after people, then we have missed the mark. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus was in the people business and we should be in the people business. Everything we do, it ought to be about people. Every place we go, it ought to be about people. You say, well, they're going to come in and mess up what we've got. Bless God, we can paint the walls, patch the holes, but if an old sinner gets saved by the grace of God, my friend, it'll be well worth it because Jesus had a heart for people and we should have a heart for people. We've got a church that is dying of heart disease. Oh, we got a church dying of heart disease. 
we got white people coming in. we got black people coming in. we got purple people coming in. we got blue people coming in. Jesus said if they're under the blood of Christ, there's not Jew nor Greek, male nor female, and I guarantee you there ain't no white, black, blue, red. All Jesus sees is red. We've lost our heart. We've lost our heart. Think about it. Right now it's 820. Don't look. It's 820. There's an old drunk somewhere who got off of work at about 630. He's already had time to go down to the ABC store. He's had time to get down half of that fifth that he bought. He's had time for a little bit of that fifth to kick in. And he's already looking for Junior. He's already looking for his little girl. He's already taken out his belt. And each time that belt hits that belt loop, making that pop, 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 that little boy and that little girl cower in fear. And we're worried about what we'll eat after church. We're upset because Brother Tory wanted us to come pray on an altar. We got old-fashioned heart disease. It killed the church at Ephesus. I said, Spirit of God, how did they die again? How did that marriage die? Spirit of God, the great physician spoke up and said, they left their first love. So how did that Sunday school teacher just drop out of teaching? She left her first love. I said, is that what killed all of these bodies? He said, no. He said, come over here. The great physician's going to do another one. I said, well, that one died of heart disease. Spirit of God, what did this one die from? He said, oh, that's the church at Corinth. And they died from cancer. They died of cancer. You say, preacher, what is cancer? Cancer is any cell in your body that is abnormal and is not like the rest of the cells. It is something in your body that doesn't belong. And a cancer cell, if it is not dealt with as soon as possible, you know what it will do? It will metastasize, grow, and it will spread. And if it's not dealt with in enough time, those mutated or unhealthy cells will overtake the healthy cells, the good cells, and will kill the organism. You say, well, preacher, I don't understand. What does that have to do with the church at Corinth? 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 1, the apostle Paul said, It is commonly reported among you that there is fornication. There is a man that has taken his stepmother to be his wife. Paul said, you need to deal with that. You need to deliver him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Because if you don't deal with that sin, that sin will grow and it will metastasize in the body of that church. And when sin is not dealt with, ladies and gentlemen, it has a way of growing and it has a way of metastasizing 
metastasizing and it has a way of the uh, healthy cells taking over or the unhealthy cells taking over the healthy cells. You know what happens in our life when we allow sin to reign in our body. We allow sin to go unchecked in our body. You say, preacher, do you sin? Honey, does Carter's have heart pills? Man, I sin. You sin. We all sin, sin, sin because we are saved by the grace of God but we still got that old sin nature. One day I'll be sin free, heaven bound with the hammer down but it ain't right now. I still, one day I will live in the sweet by and by but right now I'm dealing with the dirty now and now. Honey, I got to live. I sin, you sin, we all sin but I'm glad that there is forgiveness with Jesus Christ. I'm glad there is blood that will forgive us. I'm glad there's blood that will cleanse us. I'm glad that when I sin, if any man sin, he can confess his sin and Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But when we don't deal with the sin, it spreads. I wonder how many good marriages have been killed because of unchecked sin. How many good churches have been killed because of unchecked sin. I wonder to, to my church, I wonder if there'll come a day when laying on the morgue in God's heaven, written on that little tag on our toe, it will say, Church Street Baptist Church. Cause of death, cancer. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say this. I don't pastor a perfect people and y'all don't have a perfect pastor. But may we never think that we are above sin. I'm not above sin. You're not above sin. I'll tell you that our adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. In this place right now, he's looking for the one that's shouting. He's looking for the one that's preaching. He's looking for the one that's singing. And he's lurking around them. He's licking his chops. He's licking his paws saying, I'm going to get them. I'm going to take them out. I'm going to put sin in their way. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad to report to you on this Wednesday evening of revival that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You say, can you fall? Oh yeah, honey, I can fall. You say, do you have to fall? I don't have to fall. If I walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Every day that I wake up, I wake up doing my best to seek the face of God. You say, how can I live in this life without sin invading my heart. Honey, you stay close to the bosom of Jesus. You keep your arms around the old rugged cross. You get your face and your seat in the house of God every time the blame doors are open. I don't care if it's for revival, if it's for prayer meeting, if the preacher just wants you to come and watch him play a banjo, bless God. I want to be on the front row and I want to say, help him, Jesus. Help him, Father. I want to be near to the foot of God. I want to keep this old black back King James Bible in my spirit. I want to keep it in my heart. I want to keep it in my mind. Every day I live I want to walk and talk and believe by the precious Word of God because I don't want written on my tombstone an autopsy certificate. He died of cancer. Something came in and flushed out the healthy and the mutated cells killed him. I said, Spirit of God, is that all? He said, there's one more. Will you come with me? 
I said, Spirit of God, I don't think I can take anymore. I don't think that I can handle anymore. He said, one more. I walked over trembling in my spirit. And he said, do you see this body? I said, yes, sir. He said, young man, that's the nation of Israel. A bunch of dry bones. Ezekiel chapter 37 says this. I saw the dry bones come together, but there was no breath in them. I said, Spirit of God, how did the nation of Israel die? They died of heart disease and they died of cancer. He said, they died of suffocation. I said, how, what, what, what do you mean? He said, I'll tell you what happened, young man. He said, they stopped allowing breath to flow through them. Something cut off the oxygen supply. Ezekiel 37, as I said, it said that they had flesh and they had sinews and they had bones and they had joints. They had all of the appearance of life, but there was no breath in them. I said, Spirit of God, what are they doing? He said, they look alive. They have the appearance of life, but there's no breath in them. You know, breath in the Word of God is a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. Breath and wind and air in the Word of God is a picture and a type of the Spirit of God. Boy, I go around to a lot of churches. I preach in a lot of churches. We have the opportunity to, uh, to be in a couple of churches in the next couple of months. And I want our church people to watch for one thing. Brother Tory. I see a lot of churches. They have the appearance of life. They have the form of life. They have the, the body of life. But inside of them, there is no breath. There is no air. There is no wind. The Holy Spirit is not moving in them. I wonder how many of you in the heydays of the 60s, 70s, and 80s man you went into church and man you didn't have all the nice stuff you've got today but man you could walk in and you knew the breath of God was in the place I mean the preacher would get up he'd stand up he didn't do anything but rock back and forth man that song leader would come up and say we're going to sing my Jesus I love thee honey the wind got to blowing through the place I mean an old saint of God got to shouting an old man of God got to preaching and he didn't have a great message the choir didn't have a great sound but you knew they had breath in their being man they didn't have the prettiest form they didn't have the prettiest appearance but honey they had breath inside of them and they were breathing and they were living ladies and gentlemen you know what we need in our day we need a breeze in the mulberry trees we need God to blow through we need the breath of God to flash in our churches one more time we need God to blow through one more time I'm praying that God for the uh, pleasant view back his church that you'll come in on Sunday and Sunday night and even Wednesday night my friend and you'll get in here and they'll open up a hymn book, they'll open up a prayer list, he'll even open up a business report and you'll say glory to God we at least got some money in the bank thank God for the breath of God I mean Sunday morning church street I'm telling you I want to walk in to the house of God, I want people in Sunday school saying Lord God I feel a breath of stirring I mean in Sunday morning I want to get in 
there. And the choir's going to key up. I mean, Mary Lou's going to hit that key. Wah, wah, wah. And I mean, I want the breath to start moving. You say, how does the breath move? Can you make the breath move? No, you can't make the breath move. But you can sure stop the breath from moving. You say, how do you know? Well, I'll tell you what you can do to stop the breath from moving. Number one, hold your breath. If you'll stop the breath from moving, it'll stop. I'll tell you what else will stop the breath. Somebody from the outside suffocating you. And some of you come into the service and man, the, the devil's been on your back, the world's been on your back, hell's been on your back, your co-workers have been on your back, and they've been trying to choke the life right out of you. Honey, you know what you need to do? Man, when I was in school, my mama, she still works for the sheriff in Guilford County. Man, we had some of those women when I was at McLeansville. Man, those women came in and they had a self-defense class, Brother Jimmy. I mean, old women, young women, big women, short women, tall women had a self-defense class with Sheriff B.J. Barnes. And honey, if you've ever seen a big booger, he's a big booger. Man, he came in there. He said, I'll tell you what the, 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 the enemy is going to do to you first. The first thing they're going to do is somehow try to cut off your airflow. Because when the air stops flowing, you'll start getting lightheaded. And when you get lightheaded, then you can't think straight. And when you can't think straight, then you can't make logical decisions. He said... Doesn't that describe a whole lot of Baptist churches? Man, they're making illogical decisions. They can't think straight. You know what it is? The breath has been cut off from them. Man, he said, here's what the first thing you do. Women, you may not have a lot of strength. He said, you may not have a lot of power. You may not even have a lot of muscle. You know what you got? Fingernails. He said, here's what you do. When he comes up on you, whether he's behind you or in front of you, take those fingernails and jab them right in his eyeballs. We'll tell you what you need to do. devil's been on your back all week long. I mean, he's hurt you. Your co-workers have hurt you. Lord God, don't poke them in the eyeball. I'm talking spiritually now. You had that look in your eye. And I mean, I'll tell you, the devil will come up to you in every way possible and he'll try to choke the life out of you. He'll try to cut off the breath, cut off the air supply, cut off the moving of the Spirit of God. Man, how many a times have we come in on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night and you're waiting, I wonder what's going to happen. I mean, I got a word from God. I come in and it looks like the old-fashioned Baptists have done this. And there's no breath. And what it really is, is the devil has been cutting them off during the week. But honey, I'm looking for some old-fashioned men and women. Don't have a lot of strength. Don't have a lot of power. Don't have a lot of know-how. But they got some old-fashioned spiritual fingernails. 
You know what? You know what your spiritual fingernail is? It's number one, the Word of God. You got this fingernail. It says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Uh, is where you go. Man, you go to number two and you say like Peter said, or Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, you get on that next one where it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Honey, and you jab Him in there. Man, you're laughing. You think it's funny. But I'll tell you what. I'd rather do whatever I could to get the devil off of my back. I'd rather do whatever I could so that the breath of God could move back in my life. Honey, I want to see God move. I want to see God work. I don't want to come into dead, dried, gone. I I want to come in where there's breath, where there's life, where God's moving and God's people are moving and God's spirit is moving and where God is able to move. I said, Spirit of God, is that it? He said, Son, that's all I'm going to show you. And in my mind's eye, I went back to that little Methodist graveyard. And as I walked back to my car, I said, well, Lord, how can I end this visit? And I walked past a little tombstone of a young man. Could not have been, I could, didn't do the math fully, but somewhere around 19 years, 18 years old. And on the tombstone it said this, gone too soon. I believe written on our tombstones of our churches, our marriages, it will say this, gone too soon. You don't have to die of spiritual heart disease. He says, come back to your first love. You don't have to die of that spiritual cancer. Let the great physician take the Holy Spirit scalpel of the Word of God and cut it out. And you don't have to die of suffocation. The Spirit of God can move in this day again.